how's your last few days been yeah. for the half marathon? Been well, been well, you know, just resting and uh, chilling, not uh, not running a, a hundred plus miles a week is kind of nice sometimes, you know, so uh, the legs are, today is four days after the half marathon, so the leg, today's the first day where the legs don't feel like they're totally dead, so that's nice. Yeah, that's a win in itself, I guess, trying to walk up the stairs the day after a half is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, delayed onset muscle soreness hit me about 36 hours after the race, which is pretty typical. And, but it's not nearly as bad as you know, you know, compared to a marathon. So, um, I'm already feeling a little bit better and I expect by Saturday I'll, I'll feel pretty good. So overall, not too bad. And it was flat as a pancake. Like the course had no, there was no Hills at all. So that made a big difference as well. It seems yeah, like you actually quite that's... a lot of like, leading. Sorry, Rory. Sorry. No, you're good. Happy. Go for it. I was just going to say on the video, it seemed like you have to do quite a lot of the leading. Um, how was that in sort of that race? Because normally, hopefully, if you enter an elite race, maybe that 64, 65 mark, there's a few guys like, in a massive group. And obviously, it was a bit different. So, how was that like dynamic having to like lead and take the pace on? Yeah, I know. I. I knew the pace that I wanted to run. And as I mentioned in the, you know, all the videos, this is my first road half marathon in a decade. So uh, for those that don't know the channel, like I'm more of a mountain runner that's trying to run fast on the roads. So this is a little bit of new territory for me. And, uh, you know, I never want to be a racer that just kind of sits on everybody and just lets them do all the work. So at, you know, about mile one and a half, two miles, I decided to, you know, help with the pacing up front. And so I led from, you know, maybe mile two to mile four, roughly, maybe, you know, four and a half. And then it was pretty amazing, though, because as you saw in the video, there's like five or six guys. And we all pretty much shared the pace throughout the race until the very end when a couple of them took off. Um, but... It's, it's so crazy. Like it's different racing on the roads versus mountain and trail racing, uh, which I'm more used to, but it's a lot of fun. As you guys probably know, like when you pack up with a bunch of guys that are basically at the same pacing, you know, you help pull each other down the road, you know, faster and faster compared to if you were often, like if you weren't in the group that I was in, you were in complete no man's land. So um, even like first place, uh, Parker, you know, he was way out front um, by about a minute. And so he was in no man's land the whole race. Jeez, that's, a, that's a long way by yourself. And yeah, I guess going from sort of like trail um, and sort of mountains to the road, it's a, it's a different kind of solitude being yeah. out there for a long time, I guess, just a different kind of pain. Uh -huh. uh, I, I can imagine sort of that. I've never uh, done like a trail or mountain race, but there's quite a good uh, sort of atmosphere around that world in the UK it seems to be like it's, it's growing more and more and especially in the US yeah. I mean uh, there's sort of like the trail the mountains and, and even the ultra I mean the project carbon x2 is happening th this weekend as well um with the 100k well hopefully 100k world record I don't know um I mean I guess it's on topic being being in around that time but um I'm not sure if you've run in the carbon x2 that much um and sort of how you're feeling with it and, and how well suited you think it is for 100k yeah i actually think um 
I think it's pretty well suited. I think it, you know, it's a little bit, the midsoles, because it's EVA based, is a little firmer compared mm -hmm. to, let's say, the Zumex. And, um, you know, even like the, like the fuel cell from RC Elite from New Balance is a very soft midsole. Uh, so I think for something a little bit longer where you don't want to squish down into the road quite as much. So I think the Carbon X2 is, um, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And I suspect that we're going to see some new world records for sure. But uh, I'm excited to watch it go down. And uh, Jim is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's fast is the bottom line. So he's, he's tough, but um yeah, no, the Carbon X2 is a, it's a good shoe. It's not my top shoe, let's say for, a you know, definitely not for a half marathon. It's a little heavier, um, but yeah, it's a solid shoe. Yeah, definitely. No, it's been, uh, it's been interesting to run in and, and sort of try and figure out what, how it fits into the rotation and all that, that sort of fun stuff. But it's, yeah. uh, but no, it, it, it's been nice. And it's obviously quite a big topic at the moment that shoes are just kind of, what one of those things i mean did you run in the in the next percent um for your half marathon i did you know and i um i've been talking a lot about the, the why i didn't do the alpha fly which mm. uh two of the guys in my lead pack or in the pack that i was in two of the guys had the alpha fly and then i think the other four guys had the next percent so i don't i think at this point based on watching all the other elites a lot of them like i think the airpods under the forefoot in the alpha fly changed my foot strike just a little too much and right. it's almost it's almost like a little too much bounce for me um mm. so that's why i opted i love i mean it's a fast shoe there's no doubt the, but I, I kind of, I prefer the ride of the next percent. It's a little more simplified where you don't have to kind of overthink your, your foot strike quite as much. So it'll be, I can't wait to see what happens in Tokyo, uh, just to see what all the elites choose to, to, to race in. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be very interesting. I know Alfie, you're, you're quite a big fan of the, the Sockney Endorphin Pro, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a new rendition of that though as well because yeah. I feel like the endorphin range, all the endorphin range last year was phenomenal. So I feel like it it needs an update to sort of get it to that level because I think the pro is probably not quite there um, in comparison to the next percent. But the speed, I'd say, is better than every other Nike training shoe there is. So yeah, it's it's exciting to see. Hopefully, Sakoni can pull it out of the bag and you know bring bring a good shoe into 2021. Um, I know you think very highly of the speed as well, Seth. Love it. It's uh, it's the go-to, man. It's the It was my favorite shoe from 2020. And the pro, I completely agree with what you just said. Like, it's it's so close. But I did a 10K time trial in it before the half marathon. And it just didn't quite have the, um, I don't know. It just wasn't quite there yet. You know, even from the upper and the lockdown on the upper, so I'm excited as well for the next iteration of the uh, of the pro, which hopefully they launch, you know, sooner rather than later. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I've I've seen a few leaked images, but you never know what to believe, do you really? Of uh, yeah. what's coming out, it'd be great to see if the if the speed has that little back bit gone, just like the little plastic bit around the uh -huh. heel. I love I love if that went, and then to me that would be a perfect shoot. Yeah. So hopefully that can happen. Um, 
we've got a few follow-up questions here, if that's okay, to ask you. Absolutely. Um, obviously, there's a big, very, very big running YouTuber. Um, a lot of our followers will also follow your YouTube, and it sort of yeah. depends on from where they started following your YouTube is is maybe some of these questions, maybe they've been answered in all the videos, etc. Um, but we just want to see what the most common questions were, were. And the first one is, what's the shoe behind the Hoka shoe in the glass box in the studio? In the studio. Ah, it's awesome. So, I mean, oh, man, it's a great, it's a great question. And uh, I'll try and keep it concise. It's nothing crazy, but basically, you know, we all are working hard, trying to make money, trying to, you know, in my case, raise a family. And so about three or four years ago, our finances were tight. Like, you know, as a family, like we, I, I couldn't afford new running shoes is what it comes down to. Like we were that, you know, I've got a house and so I've got a mortgage to pay. And so, um, so that shoe on the back wall is a shoe. It's the Hoka Clayton, not the Clifton, but the Clayton, the old, old shoe that I actually bought off of, uh, well, it, at that point, uh, Facebook Marketplace for like 30 bucks, it was used because that's all we could afford at the time. So I keep that shoe in that little glass box as a, as a reminder, like, geez, look now, like now I have, you know, endless amount of running shoes. It's just like a little reminder, like keep working hard in your business, in running, in so many different areas of life. And you can achieve a lot of great things um, if you're persistent and you don't give up. And so that's, yeah, that shoe is a used running shoe that I bought when finances were tight. So that's the story behind that. No, that's, that's a very good story great. to have behind the shoe. That's a very, and that says a lot about, I think, like just the running community. Um, and that is kind of, it's one of those things like whatever's sort of going on in life, etc. running's a constant, running's always there. And uh, I'm happy it was a Clayton as well, because that is a great shoe. Yes, indeed, indeed. The Clayton was a great shoe. Discontinued, I believe. I know. Well, it's, but it's been changed. Yeah. I think it's been changed. They all got reworded, didn't they? It was the same with the Elevon, which is now, um, or was it, is it the Elevon now? I've completely forgotten what, what they've changed the Easy Run shoe to, but yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, they don't make the Clayton line anymore. I think it inspired a little bit the Mock line, but anyway. Mm. So very, yeah. very good shoe. Mock four, Mock four. Have, you, have you used that yet? You've used it, Seth, haven't you? It's a good shoe. I think it's going to be the shoe of the year. I, I'm calling it now. Like it's just, it doesn't have a plate or anything or a nylon plate or anything like that, but it's somehow the, the, the fit over the top of your foot. Like I, I keep wearing it because it's so comfortable and it fits so well and we'll see if it i haven't used it like for a threshold day or like a but i bet it could be used for some people for like even track workouts to a certain like people that don't want to go crazy fast but they just want something that they can jog to the track with and then do a track workout and jog back it's uh <laughs> i don't know i'm i've loved it not many people have um i don't think too many people have worn it yet but i think it's coming out in march i do believe have you won it? Yeah, I've actually yeah, not worn a it poker yet. Athlete. Have you got it? Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've not. I've not worn it, and I haven't been sent it yet. Um, so I'll be. I'll be interested to see see what it's about. I've, I've heard a lot of good things. I'm still 
still getting through the through the kind of the ring con two and the the carbon x2 in my rotation at the moment which are all really really good shoes and actually talking about because with with the world sort of this year and sort of part of last year going crazy running shoe wise especially in the road racing circuit it's kind of wondering where you think hoka sort of fit into that with, with the shoes that they've released whether it be the carbon x or the rocket x and how those sort of fit into the super shoes and you think a lot of companies have have released you know super shoes and that that it's tough to say with with Nike and Adidas and maybe the Endorphin Pro who potentially are further along than a lot of other companies sort of where some companies like Hoka or or some of those other companies are fitting into the super shoe world at the moment or if they're nearly there if they're getting there kind of thing yeah um I think I mean, the technology of the Zumex midsole material is hard to argue against. I think it's, it still has a lot of good energy return, a lot of good bounce to it, a lot of good. But um, I think Hoka is doing great with respect to their uppers and like the fit, like the Mach 4 when it comes out. Like, I think they are continuing to dial in the upper fit um really really well but i just um i don't think they're quite there yet with respect to even i know it's small and some people think i maybe look into it too much but i think you know like the weight of a racing shoe i do love a lightweight racing shoe there's just no way to no way to deny it and so if you look at the sliding scale of all the shoe companies um I think Hoka just has a little ways to go in that department as far as just dropping the weight a little bit. And um, yeah, so that's where I'm at with Hoka. I think, I mean, obviously what's what we have witnessed in the last 18 months with all these yeah. companies releasing the shoes. So that's where the Olympic delay by one year yeah. from is gonna be crazy to watch to see in the next five months, what we see between now and Tokyo Hopefully it's going to happen. Um, what's just going to happen with all these shoe companies? Like, cause they basically got one extra year to develop, you know, to develop the next round of shoes. Yeah. So, and everyone's trying to get those spikes in and, uh, and out to, out to companies so that they can be sold before the Olympics. Exactly. Which is, cause I, I was talking to uh, the rep at Hope in the UK and he was kind of just saying like, we're just trying to get these spikes, spikes ready to go and out and done and, and getting them sold by like April. Because yeah. they need to be, they need to be out there so that so that hoker athletes can be wearing them at the Olympics. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, all the rule changes from World Athletics, and yeah, it's it's been wild to watch. Yeah. I think people have just copied the dragonfly though, because I feel like there's some there wasn't any patents on it, so people just straight up carbon copied the dragonfly just to bash out in time for the Olympics, which is fair enough because it's a great spike. Um, I'm not sure how much track running you do, Seth. You not, know, I not haven't. That much, I can uh, imagine. Not too much, but I, I haven't tried the Dragonfly yet. I know it's on my, you know, a lot of people want me to try it. Um, I'd be willing to. I just haven't had a chance to, to get my hands on a pair. Yeah, it's, it's pretty rare as well. They seem to sell out quite quickly, which is a shame, but I guess that's what makes it even more special. I always say uh, so many shoes, so little time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many well, shoes I to test. That does go into the next question, Alfie. I think I think you're probably looking at the same question. You, you can ask it because I don't want to get confused there now because we've got many questions. So oh, you, you, I want, you I want to ask the same question. There. I, I guess that goes into uh, so, someone has asked 
how many shoes now, if, if you could even put a ballpark figure, how many shoes do you own are in that in that studio kind of uh, that, it must be a tough figure to sort of pull out as well as the lockup as well i had to buy the uh i had to get a storage unit um because i don't have enough room and actually a vlog somebody that watches the channel he uh volunteered he's gonna build me sh shelving units to keep all the shoes organized and some people think i'm a little crazy for keeping all the old shoes but I'm not, I've, why I keep them is that in three years from now, five years from now, we're going to be talking about shoes that we can't even dream about right now. And we're, I'm going to be able to compare the shoes in five years from now to, you know, the, the Hoka Mach 9 to the Hoka yeah. Mach 4. So that's why I keep all of these old shoes in order to compare the iterations and even just, you know, you know, I have the 4%, I've got the next percent, the alpha fly and whatever comes next, just to show the, the growth of all these channels. Um, but it's probably, I don't know, 250 pairs. I, it's probably, it's probably somewhere around there. Uh, I think in 2020, I reviewed about 60 pairs of shoes. So um, yeah. So it was a lot. <laughs> wow. But, but, but I do road and trail. So I do, yeah. you know, keep that in mind as well. Yeah, true. Actually, there, there was quite a strange principle. Um, a carbon shoe for trail. Where, where do you stand on that? Because I mean, in, in my mind, I, I used to do like trail running at home for my easy runs because everything was just all off road and really traily. But like, trying to imagine sort of the way that your foot molds around rocks or whatever that might be. Just kind of wondering how, how the carbon plate sort of fits into a shoe, whether it's more carbon infused or. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think the benefit is going to be much less than like mm. compared to, to road racing. I think it's a little gimmicky. I think the North face is coming out with a carbon fiber plate. I yeah. haven't, I haven't, you know, bought it yet or seen or tested it yet, but I think um, I don't think the benefit's going to be huge. Um, mm. Now I don't know. Like some ultra races that are, let's say, a hundred k over oscillating hills, not big mountains. That yeah. might I could see a benefit there to a certain extent. Mm. And you know, the ultra running world is just insane. Like you have people who do world record. Well, like this weekend, the the hundred k world record attempt. Uh, but then, you know, like track races. Um, but anyway, so yeah, as far as trail carbon fiber plate shoes, I'm a little, uh, I'm not sold yet. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I, 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 I think I feel the same about it. It's uh, not quite sure what to, what to expect or what to think of it, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, gosh, I mean, I, you know, shout out to, uh, you know, innovate a company from your neck of the woods right yeah. um is that i use their uh innovate x talon g210 in the pikes peak marathon uh which is it's kind of like a cross country spike and mm. i use i i won the pikes peak marathon in that right in that trail shoe so it's a very aggressive like big lugs on the bottom and just to dig into the mountain and, but you know, that definitely doesn't have a, any sort of plate inside the midsole. And then also when we're speaking about the race kind of over there, are there any races that you've 
you've seen in the UK that, that appeal to, to something you might want to do in the future? Um, and you, uh, road or trail or both or? Either, yeah. Yeah, either, I mean, gosh. You know, I, uh, as far as trail goes, the, um, oh man, the, uh, the skyline over in, yeah. in Scotland, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, that's definitely on my radar. I don't think I'll do it this year because it's so far, actually, I've, I've got my New York City Marathon shirt on. I plan, nice. to do, I plan to do New York City again this fall. Um, you know, of course, I have to race London someday. Uh, I, don't know when, I don't know when that'll happen, but um, I'm actually, tomorrow's vlog is all about future races and I'm kind of trying to figure out with so many races being canceled or postponed, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to race this spring. Uh, yeah. But I'd, I'd love to do a half marathon in the UK at some point. So if you guys have any ideas, you got to let me know um, a, fast, a fast half marathon um, on the roads. Not sure, racing in the UK non-existent. No, not, not quite yet. No, race in the UK at the minute are non-existent. So I know. it might be a while before we can suggest any races there. Um, literally yeah. cancellation after cancellation. We haven't really had a race since, I haven't raced since October or wow. November. Yeah. So yeah, it's not fun. And, and speaking of sort of, especially this difficult last year, and a lot of people have asked this, how do you stay so positive? And also the only person I've seen more positive than you is probably your children and true love. So how do they all stay so positive as well? Oh man, that's a good question. Oh goodness. Well, I mean, I was talking with some other people about running and like what running means to me and uh, why I run. And like, I think it's the little goals that we have as runners, like waking up like this past training block, getting ready for Naples. I never in my life have enjoyed running in the winter time when it's cold out and freezing at let's say 5 a.m but this past training block i ran a lot like i my volume was very high and so in order to get all the the miles in i had to double quite a bit so i was running at five i was running at 5 a.m a lot you know probably at least three days a week and so I think as far as the positivity goes, like as runners, we have the benefit of setting these little goals every day. And if you can accomplish those little goals, um, those little goals add up to big goals, like, you know, setting a new PR in the half marathon. And that's, I, it sounds a little selfish, but it's fun to set a goal and then reach that goal. And it's like, this world is so crazy around us so many issues out there and challenges um if we can control something small in our own personal lives like individual goals that's something that i think we runners that a lot of other people in the world don't have uh, they don't get that they don't have that in their life where it's like every day you can set a goal you know and it doesn't have to be uh run 10 miles it could be run two miles so that's where the it's just, I love little challenges. And I think that's where it's like that daily purpose that we get as runners that a lot of, a lot of people just don't experience. So anyway, that's where it comes from, I would say. No, that's definitely fair enough. I think as a runner, 
especially up in the mileage over the last year and a lot of it solo because of the current situation with the pandemic it's been kind of helpful to progress from say if I've done a really tough session or a really long session and it's been helpful to progress from that and thinking if I got through it that day I can get through this half like 13 mile run today like I've done it before I can do it again and I think sort of trying to build on sort of experiences you've had definitely sort of help like in the future and as you progress mileage and stuff like that and yeah. one of the videos I saw of you and I was like how are you doing this is it was in very very snowy conditions and I was just like how are you this cheerful after you've just ran I think it was a long run so and it was in really thick snow and I was like how are you this happy after you've just finished this run it's I, it doesn't make sense to me but I guess that's just experience of it as well isn't it yeah oh man and I think oh man I think it's um I think you just get a I was talking again, I was talking to another guy. Like if you can get back from a run by 6.30 AM or 7 AM and you know, you put in 15 miles or 20 miles or whatever, and then you still have to, maybe you have to go to work or maybe you, but you feel like you can accomplish anything. If you are self-disciplined enough to go to bed early, to wake up early, to get the run in. And it's like, you're, you're like the king of the world. Cause it's like, shoot. I can do anything now. I just ran 15 miles before everybody else even ate breakfast. So anyway, that's, it kind of, again, it's a little bit of a, I don't want to say selfish mentality, but it's like, I can do this. And yeah, so it's fun. I think he, I also, I think ultra running and marathon, like longer distance running kind of teaches you a little bit about um, enjoying the pain a little bit um, where you not enjoy, but like, you're not afraid of the pain. So yeah, you guys know that. Yeah, that's that's one thing. Me and Alfie have spoken about that a lot because we both, well, I mean, I used to train completely by myself and uh, Alfie sometimes does some sessions by myself. It's like learning that kind of pain barrier, it makes it yeah. so much easier in a race. Because I guess coming from those sort of like the mountain races, I, I don't, I'm not sure if enough people appreciate how brutal it is. Sure. like heading up there and then either coming back down or doing these long trail races i guess it'll be great for a half marathon because you can kind of go hey, i've gone deeper than these guys <laughs> i've yeah. done i've done tougher and longer and harder things and it's yeah uh, that, i guess that, that's that's a massive plus doing sort of half marathons and stuff coming from coming from that world yeah yeah no naples i mean i wasn't nervous at all i i was I wish I would have been able to break into the 104s, but I definitely was very confident on the starting line. Like I know I can hold a, a hard pace for most of the race, maybe not the whole way, but at least most of the race, you know, just based on the workouts I had done and the experience of the training block leading into it. So um, yeah, it is a, it is a mental game as you guys know, like it's, it's building, but it doesn't just happen with a snap of the finger. It's, you know, it's a long time to develop that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and as you were saying, sort of planning planning your race and stuff, it might be quite early to ask given that you've only kind of just raced Naples, but what what do you, do you think that next target could, could potentially be? Yeah. Um, so so I, I averaged five, you know, five-minute miles um, yeah. in Naples. So my goal 
you know, really I'd love to be at like 452, 453 a mile. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's seven to eight seconds, which now this is where it gets really fun as a, as a runner, but also I'm, you know, I coach myself. Now I get to tinker. And this is where I say in the mm -hmm. blog, like I like to be that mad scientist where you get to experiment. And this is kind of why, you know, this is why I don't have a coach is I like to coach myself and figure out, okay, now I have this baseline to work with and how can, um, how can I take that next step and drop, you know, seven to eight, which is no joke, you know, seven to eight seconds yeah. a mile is definitely no joke. And I don't, again, I don't know if I can do it. Uh, I, you know, I don't know, but it's fun to try and figure out, okay, how can I go down to 452, 453 a mile? Um, and I don't, I don't have the answer yet. I'm, I'm gonna, I need to think about what is the next training block gonna look like. But ultimately, that is the goal. And ultimately, I wanna, you know, race a really fast. Well, my, you know, marathon PR is 2:23 right now, which was in Amsterdam in 2019, where I went out, I went out in 106:53, way too fast, and uh, blew up. <laughs> blew up the last um it was my but here's the crazy but it was my first marathon um yeah. so i really it's like all about teaching yourself how to pace better like it's just you know coming from the mountains to road racing it's uh it's all about that pacing which i'm still you know kind of figuring out a little bit yeah and i guess, I guess marathon people i guess people who haven't done marathons can't fully understand it i know that my dad ran um a, a few halves and like two marathons in his time and he even when he did his first half marathon he'd done a 10 mile race in, in somewhere around like 48 kind of low and and then a few a few weeks later a half marathon pops up and he's like well it's three miles more you know how, how much harder can can this be kind of thing yeah and he gets to mile 10 and a half and he's sat on the side of the road and it's like right ambulance somewhere whatever because it's one of those things people just don't realize how how sort of like tough it is to to put yourself through that yeah absolutely yeah it's a big yeah even just yeah just three miles it does make a big difference yeah that's for sure. yeah you learn that the hard way which is always fun to hear yeah that's good the best teacher is experience that's uh you know it's always experience that's very true. So, true. I, I, I'm uh, conscious of time as, as it's 31 minutes past. Um, you know, we can go a little bit more. I've got a, I've got a, if you guys, maybe five, five, ten more minutes. That's great. That's fine. That's we great. can transition Perfect. over Thank to some you. deeper questions if you want, if that's all right with you. Oh, quite yeah. A few of them, so. Anything, uh, you guys hit me with anything. Okay, so. The, these two are sort of just from curiosity, not quite the deepest ones yet, but if you could proportionally place a shoe as the greatest shoe of all time, so obviously now the future of shoes is a lot further on uh, technology-wise, but if you could put like a shoe as like the best shoe proportionally of all time, what would you say it would be? And do you mean from the past? Or, or it could be now, but if you'd compare it against the shoes out at that point in time as sort of a rating if that makes sense like um like what would i like to see the best shoe be 
or what, what do you think is the best shoe lot ever? Say, mm. say for example, if if yeah. a, a streak came out in 2014, but yeah. it was so much better than all the other shoes around at that time, then that could proportionally be the best shoe ever, even though it's not technically the best oh, shoe ever. Oh man! Oh gosh! Wow! That is a that is quite the question. Hmm. I'm trying to rack my brain. Um. I couldn't answer it, so. You couldn't? <laughs> no. It's fun asking yeah. questions you know you can't answer because it puts everyone on the spot. I mean, it's crazy, but um, gosh, from a training perspective, it's now, here's the thing. Everybody's foot strike and gait cycle is different. And so, you know, some people like a soft landing. Some people like a firm landing. For me, I probably prefer only because um i don't know what it is but i i love running at high volume i just love it i love running 100 mile weeks and therefore my legs oftentimes are a little beat up and so i i kind of like to baby my legs a little bit so i'm just gonna say as far as a shoe that like the original clifton is hard to argue against for me um i love the original clifton and the og um, as far as yeah. a shoe that it just works so well for my foot strike and it just the right amount of uh, cushion for babying my legs. Uh, but anyway, I'll leave it there. We could probably go on and on, but that was uh, that was a shoe that I really loved. Yeah, I, I agree. The Clifton, I think five saved my entire running career because I had tendonitis for about six months. And oh, soon wow. I went in the Clifton literally went and I know I, I don't recommend this but it literally went probably overnight or like in a few in a few weeks um wow. just from running a different shoe so Clifton is very helpful yep so on to those deeper questions now has there ever been a moment in running or what is the moment where it sort of like changed your perspective on life like have you ever had like sort of a moment where you've stepped back and just really just had a deep thought or anything like that hmm um, well, I would say that my life would not have been on the path that it's on now if I would not have taken the risk to try to walk on to the University of Colorado's cross country team. So I was not recruited out of high school. I wasn't fast enough. So I trained alone my freshman year of college and then ended up walking on to the CU team, which as you guys probably know, is one of the best in the United States. And I, Mark Wetmore, you know, let me walk on. And if I would have not taken that risk, I would have like so many, that opened up so many other doors in life. It's unbelievable. So that would be a moment where it's like, wow, I'm really glad I took the risk to try to walk like okay so i was a 16 27 guy in high school so that's fine like it's a fine time but it's not nearly fast enough to run at division one level um so i trained alone so anyway that would probably be the moment is that that moment yeah yeah that, that's definitely yeah i feel like a lot of people sort of in in their running career it's definitely either a teacher relationship where they've sort of taken them from school and like said like look you need to do this he's very talented or, or it's always something along those lines at that younger career where you've had to make sort of a big decision um, yeah. and it's obviously you look back and have seen it as a decision what literally would have changed your life completely which 
I guess because running is a lifestyle, isn't it? So, I mean, we're both yeah. here on a running podcast talking to a running YouTuber. It's like, <laughs> yeah. so, and the next deep question I have for you is, have you had any running slash YouTube regrets? Um, running slash YouTube regrets. That's a great question. Running regrets, <laughs> going out too fast in the Amsterdam marathon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, probably it, it's a regret that actually turned into a great benefit is that I tried to run. I thought I was going to be an ultra marathon runner three or four years ago. So I, I, I went into a hundred mile race and I actually dropped out at 50 miles uh, for a couple of different reasons, but that was an amazing, that's a regret that I dropped out, but it was a huge learning moment that taught me, wait a minute, maybe I need to rethink my strategy for my racing in my early thirties and mid thirties and save the ultra running for later. Like, you know, when I'm old and slow. Um, so that's maybe a little bit of a running regret. It was a great, I'm really glad I tried it because it taught me to just chill out and wait and try and still use the speed in my legs while I still have it. YouTube, um, you know, so I've been doing the daily vlog for almost five years and I, I love it. It's, you know, it's, you have to enjoy the process or else it's, you know, a lot of people, ask if they should start a daily vlog and I tell them no because you have to really it's really hard but you have to understand your personality and to see if it fits with your own personal life um but it would have been very beneficial if I would have pivoted the daily vlog from life to running about a year earlier. So I did two and a half years of daily vlogging, just filming all sorts of stuff, mountain stuff, life, work, family, everything. So then about two and a half years ago, I pivoted to running and that's yeah. when the, ch that's when the channel started to grow. Um, so that was a, I wish I probably, I, pro I should have done that earlier, but you know, that's all right. I'm glad I did it when I did it. Um, as far as like, I didn't wait any longer. You, sh you should have gone down the um, that bike route. I, I, I was looking at some of the older videos to see when your views started taking off, and I saw like these two bike videos. So, like, who was it? Like a yeah. motorbike, and they got like thirty thousand views. When yes, that's it. I know that was another thing. That's funny. That was another. Uh, that was back when I was just trying to figure out. Yeah, what's this gonna? What's it gonna look like? And eventually landed. You know, I loved running, but I didn't realize there was such an audience on youtube for running content or else i probably would have done it earlier yeah and and then the last last two questions if that's okay um yeah. the one i have to ask is at the minute for me it's listening to the phil knight book and like listening to the whole story behind nike and stuff but have you got any like big motivators at the minute or like have in the past what sort of keep you motivated mm. oh man um hmm you know, I'm, I'm not listening to any or reading any like running books right now. I do love that book, uh, Shoe Dog, right? Yeah. Um, it's a, that's a great book. Um, you know, I do love, I love history. I love studying history and I've, I've read a lot of history books. 
Um, I, I read quite a few uh, business books just because I'm trying to figure out YouTube and figure out uh, the business side of YouTube. But as far as my personal motivation, um, a lot of it, you know, does come from the inside. And um, I am very competitive. I will say that much like, you know, I know like my talent level on the roads is, is decent, but I, I'm very excited to be very competitive uh, on the trails and mountain running. You know, I have aspirations to qualify for the Olympic trials in the United States in the marathon. We'll see if I can do it. I don't know, but uh, I'll try again for Paris 2024. So anyway, it's not a great answer because, uh, yeah, I just love, uh, it, yeah, I, I am very competitive, but especially in mountain and trail running. Yeah, yeah, competitiveness, definitely. You need to have that competitive edge, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it really does help. <laughs> yeah. Alfie, if you're looking for the truthful story behind Nike, read Swoosh. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard it's slightly blurred, the book. What's scathing. It's scathing. Okay. But it's interesting, to hear, it's interesting to hear both sides of the story of how certain people think Nike became the top dog and how other people think Nike became the top dog. It's, it's always interesting reading both sides of it. But, yeah, um, it's quite a dramatical yeah. book, that. Yeah, really good book. Really I'll, good book. I'll have to. Uh, I don't think I've read that one. I'll have to do that. Read that one too. Yeah. Yeah, swoosh is good. I guess it's just the, the sort of that brutal side of how. I mean, Nike being the biggest corporation, it's like you, you don't become that as big as you are, making everyone smile and happy. Definitely so, not. So it's it, it was no surprise that, that that it was a relatively scathing book, but sure. it's a good one. It's sure. Interesting. I interesting one. And the last question I have to end in this, someone asked this in the, in the, in the followers. Um, so there's obviously butter my bread, um, but what, what are other, some of your other favorite condiments to have on bread or toast? Oh, I'm so sorry. That first part of the question. Uh... Sorry, my AirPods have just cut out. That's why. Um, uh, sorry. No, can I can hear you now. Now? Can you hear me again? Yeah. Um, so there's obviously butter my bread. But ah, yeah. What other favorite condiments do you have that you put on bread and toast? That's awesome. <laughs> so for those that don't know that are listening, I uh, have a lot of uh, people I get, I don't know, maybe call them uh, Sethisms or things that I say, like <laughs> butter my bread and uh, uh, the studio and all these things. Butter my bread, just so you know, everybody. It's just something that True Love and I started saying um, when something good happens in life like who doesn't like extra butter on their bread so it's like if you get a pr if you do good in a race or a workout it's like come on let's butter the bread now this is uh this is a good thing that happened so that's kind of where it started and um i mean is there anything else to put on bread except butter no i i'm a big i don't do this but i put uh I'm a big hot sauce guy, so I put hot sauce on my popcorn. I know that's a little crazy. Um, so, but as far as as far as bread goes, I don't know. Um, what is the uh, butter? Um, it's almost like a pumpkin butter or something like that. I don't even know. It's uh, it's very good. It's it's got like sugar. It's there's a lot of sugar in it. Uh, anyway, that would probably be another one. <laughs> Sounds good. So I'm a enough. big, uh, 
Yeah, that would be my answer there. But I, I appreciate you bringing up the uh, the butter of my bread. Yeah, I had to ask about it. And I've just realized I've been on this whole podcast without my microphone plugged in, which is a nightmare. But I guess you've got to sort of <laughs> live with it. At least at least the audio, at least you can hear me. I guess that's the main thing. I, can, I can I can hear you. Hopefully, I, ho- I, bet it, I bet it turns out, you know, I'm recording on my end as well. So just keep me posted. Okay, yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, and obviously, we don't want to keep too much of your time because we have gone... We have gone over the time we um, originally planned. So I'd, I just wanted to say a big thank you for obviously giving your time as well as giving other people your time as well at the minute because I know you announced you're doing podcasts and et cetera. So yeah. I'd just like to thank you and also thank you from everyone in the running community for what you're doing and the videos you're posting because no one else really does that, uh, what you're doing at the minute as well. So, Oh, man, I appreciate it. We're all just fighting and trying to get through these crazy times together and hopefully get back to racing as soon as possible. And, um, you know, I think, I don't know, it might take a little bit more, but I think by hopefully in the next three or four months, we start to see races come back. So we're just, we'll just keep fighting together. You know, we have a good, we have a great sport that we get to participate in and, um, good things ahead for, I do believe for everybody. So thanks for having me. No, it's been a pleasure. It's been our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you, guys.